Hello, thanks for dropping by to listen to MK Rocks with Rob Taylor. If it's your first time here, here's two things you must do. Firstly, tell all your friends, everyone you've ever met, whether you like them or not, and even your Facebook friends. Let's not keep it a secret. MK Rocks with Rob Taylor. Shout it from the rooftops. Secondly, check out some of the older recordings of this show. There's a dozen or so. Please check them out. And third of the two things you've got to do, give my other show a listen, please. New releases with Rob Taylor, where I'll review the week's brand new singles and album tracks. This week is music that's been released over the last two weeks, because last week there weren't enough quality releases to fill even a 10-minute show. And quality, whatever the genre, is what I'm going to play for you. Mighty fine tunes. This week, I'll be having a chat with Milton Keynes' finest and most loved journalist, Sammy Jones. As rock is such a wise genre, there's songs tonight from right across the board, right after this.
America's greatest living poet was ogling you all night. You should be wearing the finest gown, but here you are now. Gas, food, lodging, poverty, misery, and gardenia. You could be burned at the stake. Was going to be a music journalist or did, you, did it just happen? Not always. I originally wanted to be a vet and an archaeologist <laughs> but you need to be quite smart for that don't you? Right. So I think I, I found music really young and by the time I was sort of 13 and 14 I, I, I wanted to be around it. I wanted to do something with it. I didn't know what at that time but then when I started getting out and getting to gigs which was really when I got really involved in it when I was about 15 from that moment I knew that I had to be working with it not just going to the gig and then going home wasn't going to be enough for me that's that was what I decided um, and at the time you know I used to read all of the music magazines and newspapers I'd go out and buy them the morning they came out and and those journalists became not rock stars to me but they were people that you know, I was devouring what they said as much as what the bands were making, you know, and I thought, this is what I want to do. So you aspired to people like Nick Kent and uh, were there any heroes? Among writers? Yes. I would say not so much. I mean, you know, it was back then Kerrang! magazine was something I used to devour and, and you know, Metal Hammer and all of that sort of thing. And, and they were so people... Uh, I don't know, people like Chris Watts, who uh, worked for Kerrang! and Jason Arnott, who, you know, has gone on to huge things since. And people like that, I just, I thought, yeah, I, I love what they were doing. And, and they had Crusher and, you know, there was such a vibe about that magazine. And, and actually, it was all true because I did work experience there a few years later. And, you know, they were very true people. They were living that rock and roll lifestyle, you know. And they and actually, in those days, I was sending reviews of gigs at the pits to one of the um, reviews editors at Kerrang and, and every time she got some she would send them back marked up to me and tell me where I could improve I mean that was phenomenal you wouldn't get yeah. that now you, you wrote for the MK Citizen for many many years did you join the Citizen to write about music or did you join the Citizen and then write about music that is many years ago I started really originally by doing a fanzine um, just a really, really poor fanzine in hindsight, but I used to go into school and do it in the mornings. And then by this point, I, I wanted to be a journalist, obviously. And, and so we had quite a lot of local newspapers and it seems ridiculous to think we've got hardly any now. But we did have more and I, I went round all of them because when you're young, you've, you're kind of fearless. So I just walked in the door and said, I want to be a journalist and I want to write about music. And, and they did come back and, and, and said, well, send us some stuff, you know, and started offering me little columns and, and out of all of them I chose to go with the citizen I did work experience with them as well I mean I wasn't even supposed to do work experience with them but again it's you know getting in and just forcing the issue really because I wasn't trained and you needed certain grades and this that and the other and I think my passion probably just and determination I would hope just shone through and, and that was it yeah I was already way before I took on the full-time job there I'd been working for a number of years doing music and their music pages 
and I loved it and, I, and the minute you got a taste for it and also you know to be honest as a youngster you then go oh my god and I can get in for free as well <laughs> <laughs> and you'll send me that album by my favorite band before it's out that's amazing and in those days you didn't get a uh, a ping on the computer and a download sent you you've got a, a really cool looking vinyl album in the post i mean that's brilliant isn't it you know, yes it seems so old school now yeah. um oh i do still Heaven. buy a lot of vinyl. but yeah so that's it so i started um when i went full time with them the plan was part of the week doing music part of it doing news but that really didn't pan out because i just took on the go section and started doing theater and what's on as well which was great because I never wanted to do that and I, I do love theatre as well very much now so um, it, was, it was really good and it was really nice actually to be able to write about dance music and things like that which it was a, an education for me because I wasn't interested in that and didn't really want to do that sort of thing so much and, and yet I really found an appreciation for it and, and the people in Milton Keynes that were you know busy putting on all, the, all of the events then were incredible and, and they were passionate and that's what if you've got a passion then I think it opens it makes you want to find out more, you know, when someone talks to you about that. And mm. and actually, that was the same with people like John Dankworth. I mean, had no interest at all in jazz, but um, I would still say I've got no big knowledge on it, but I love it and I listen to stuff. And that's purely down to John Dankworth, purely down to him. I'll, I'll edit that bit out. Saying you love jazz is just um, awful. <laughs> <laughs> is it? <laughs> so working for The Citizen, you obviously went to some great gigs you met some great people and it's making me more nervous than anything you interviewed some famous people yeah. tell me about some of them who are the ones that really stick out in your mind well people do ask that on occasion and it's hard because I mean I've done so many to be honest and some days I would do two or three interviews a day and you weren't really thinking about what you were doing so initially I suppose the people that I grew up with that were rock stars for me in, in the very best sense were people like Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Kiss. Kiss were probably the one that started it all for me on the rock side. Um, and I've been lucky enough to interview all of those bands. And that is, I mean, I think interviewing Slash for the first time was a real moment for me and something that I promised a friend I would do when I was 18 years old and, and really got laughed at and I've done it and I've done it twice so that's good yeah. <laughs> but and, and also it's not just interviewing them though it's whether you get on all right with them you know and I think I've been lucky and, and people like Bon Jovi and things like that not necessarily the band that I choose to play every day you know like I would have when I saw them in 1989 but nonetheless a hugely important band back then and and one that when I have interviewed Richie Sambora a couple of times, who no longer with them, but what a gent, you know, and what a down-to-earth, interesting man. And that's what you want, really. Yes. I don't, you know, you, you do get things crossed sometimes. Just because you like a band does not mean you like the person, does not mean they're going to mm. like you. And, and that's not what you're there for. You're, you're there to ask questions. You know, it's always cool when you are, for the first time, you know, when I first time I interviewed Tony Iommi, I was on work experience at the Citizen and everyone had gone down the pub and the phone rang on news desk and it was Tony Iommi for Sammy Jones. I mean, that's cool, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still yeah. cool today, you know. Yeah. And nobody <laughs> so, else heard um, it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, exactly. That time. <laughs> but, and, and I think Paul Rogers actually sang the chorus to All Right Now down the phone to me and things uh. like that. You know, they're little snippets and yeah, yeah. little moments in time, but yeah, brilliant. Over the last couple of days, I watched that montage of Heck with Kurt Cobain, who was, in my opinion, a really interesting chap. 
but some of the interviews he did were, were he was he was awful to the, to the mm-hmm. interviewer you know not necessarily horrible or rude just not interested and not there you do get that as well and I think I mean from the bands I mean I've been at Download Festival in the press area and uh, and I it's part of it for me we go in and I spend a little bit of time earwigging when I'm out the back things like if you could be a burger what burger would you be why would you ask a band that how is that supposed to spark their imagination when they are doing these press things all the time and getting asked the same question so I've always gone out to try and ask something different. If they're there to promote an album, let's talk about that album, but let's just try and tease a little bit of something else out of them. And, and as you said earlier, Rob, you do your research. Well, that's a basic, but actually it's not a given for most people anymore. And I think if you interview a band and you don't know what you're talking about, it's terrible. And I think it's rude, you know, and I always think that you should be well-versed so that you can have a conversation mm. instead of just asking question answers funny you should say that but um what kind of burger would you be <laughs> well obviously it'd be a vegan burger wouldn't i <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> what kind of music do you like personally i've got go-to's that i always that sort of soundtrack me i suppose and so it's across the board i mean i I've just been out for a walk this morning and one minute i had lissy on who i, I quite like mm-hmm. lissy but what you'll get on there every day is a subhumans track because I grew up with punk and subhumans and and then culture shock and and citizen fish are so important to me I absolutely adore those bands and the same with people like Caius Queens of the Stone Age and stuff Mm -hmm. for me that that change that has to be old and not not the queens of the day but that sort of stuff so offshoots of that Nick Oliveri I mean completely prolific and I just adore what he does um, and then at the other side of, of that singer-songwriters and, and people like Joseph Arthur who again I think when you say singer-songwriter I still think quite often it sounds really bland but he's a force and amazing at what he does so they're the people that kind of mm-hmm. you know my go-tos all the time but then yeah I mean I might listen to you might hear uh, Cleo Lane with coming out of the stereo in the house every couple right. of weeks or something. It does happen. <laughs> so it's a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit of everything. I, like, I play everything. You know, when you're young, you don't. You go, if you're being honest about it, a lot of people wouldn't. You're like, I like this and that's it. But actually, as you get older. But then I went out. It was record store day at the weekend. So I went specifically to pick up motorhead and black sabbath mm. and then i went and bought a load of secondhand stuff as well so i came back with like 30 year old anthrax and a nebula cd that i've got on vinyl and just various other bits and pieces so yeah. predominantly i'm rock aren't i yeah good <laughs> but good. i will play something else every now and then you know
Milton Keynes bands, you've obviously been part of the Milton Keynes circuit for many years. Have there been any bands that you think they would or should have made it? Or are there any bands that you think they will make it? Or are there any bands that you think, no, they were vastly, vastly overrated? Tell me a bit about Milton Keynes bands. Like, you know, when you have a scene, don't you? And, and if everywhere, everywhere's got a scene. It's either a good one or it's not. And it either gets discovered or it doesn't. And, you know, people will say to you, they'll talk about, the LA rock scene or the Seattle scene or whatever, or the Manchester one. You know, we've always had it, haven't we? But if it isn't discovered, then it's just called a local music scene. And if it is, and it blasts off everywhere. But we've been lucky here, you know. We've had, I mean, I have been around a long time and I have had more than my fair share of really shoddy demos, to be honest with you. <laughs> and, and thinking, oh my God, I can't honestly say what I think of that, not completely, because it's just too offensive. But equally, yeah, there's been some bands that I think should have done things and and didn't. And, and sometimes that was because of them. You know, they didn't realise how good they were and they were mm. just sort of playing at it and went off. But I mean, I suppose when we were young, younger, um, bands like FEMA, I, I thought were great and I um, really enjoyed them. And, and, you know, locally they were selling out venues and things all the time. And they were promised, I think... Um, Biffy Clyro wanted to take them on their on the road with them when they were young, but I think their management had different ideas and that kind of scuppered that. But you know, th- there has been good bands. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the, the next release, uh, which I hope is coming soon. It's been a long time coming from our man in the Bronze Age. I think they're really right. exciting, credible musicians, and they're also the best bits of, of lots of local old, old bands that we used to love. You know, but obviously now they've got that maturity and and. They know, you know, they've got ears for things, they know how to do it. And yeah, I'm excited by that. And then even bands that, you know, like Naked Next Door, I'm liking what some of them are doing, I think. And what about, I'm impressed that you like different kinds of stuff and new stuff. Are there any uh, national acts that you think, this this is going to be their year or when, 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 we, when we open up again, you know, they're going to make it really, really big? Uh, no.
you got coming up in the next few months? I've got a book release, which is good, yeah. <laughs> at long last. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time coming, but it's difficult trying to put stuff around the day job when the day job spills into the night time, really. But yeah, I've got a, a book that should be out, I'm hoping for the end, well, it will be out by the end of September. And it's all about Milton Keynes music. It's an overview. I mean, it's not a Bible, but it's 350 odd pages of looking at some of the local bands over the last few decades. I go back and I look at some of the early big band stuff. And then there's a lot. There's a whole chapter on the stables and John Dankworth on the bowl. And I've spoken to a lot of the headliners from the bowl over the years who funnily enough all remember playing there and it's very easy to speak to a band at that level and say oh what you know what was that gig like for you and they go oh, it's great and you think you don't even know what I'm on about but they all remember the bowl it stands out to them so Bon Jovi remember it Foo Fighters said it was they were two of their best ever gigs that they've done you know everybody status quo just remember it brian may still has fond memories and that was 82 i think when queen played there so i've had chats and, and done a lot of research over stuff like that and there's a lot of unseen images and things in there as well so there's some you know, it's really picture heavy as well there's a full chapter on great linford manor which of course was a studio and i was lucky enough to work there back in the day as well which was great mm-hmm. really being around creative bands at their best my first day working there coincided with the first day that um pj harvey um, mm-hmm. she literally walked in the door before me and then put together a mind-blowing album so that was great hearing her screaming and warbling over that for a few weeks um so there's a whole chapter on that because i don't think people really realize that linford manor was responsible for albums by pj harvey and i mean jimiroquai Skunk and Nancy did their first two albums there. And I was lucky enough to be around that actually as well, which was, they were really special times because nobody knew who Skunk and Nancy were. And mm-hmm. in fact, their producer I'd gone into interview because she was called Sylvia Massey and she'd worked with Tall and Prince. So mm-hmm. I'd gone to speak to her about that and she just clicked on the tape and said, here, this is what we're working on at the moment. And it just blew me away. And the band were upstairs and the first time I spoke to Skin, I just said, oh, I really like what I've just heard. And she's just strumming away with this quiet little voice, you know, thanks very much. And I got to know them really well and, and see their careers, you know, to see them go from that to mm-hmm. headlining Glastonbury mm-hmm. um, was special. And the same with Biffy Clyro, you know, they were, I mean, they were kids really when they did their first couple of albums at the Manor. And again, just they just remember it as being a mind-blowing time for them. Mm-hmm. There's talk with all of those in there. There's um, John Lydon. I mean, Pill recorded there. And he still remembered the place really well. These are special places, you know, and they're putting their heart and soul into a product or, and a passion. And, mm-hmm. and so it's going to stick in the mind, isn't it? I mean, John Lydon went to see the Concrete Cows when he was here and stupid things like that. But it's really great. So there's little anecdotes and people like that and the likes of Thunder and Therapy and and Skank and Nancy and Biffy and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's all in there. There's a history, of course. One thing we haven't mentioned in Milton Keynes is martial amplification and, and yep. great for Milton Keynes, but great globally. <laughs> you know, there is none better, is there, really? So having them here, I, I always think, a real feather in the cap of Milton Keynes, really. In the middle of Bletchley, such an important brand and, and such an important part of Milton Keynes. You know, I really believe, I've, I've said it in the book, you know, there's not a better name for for miles and miles around and there really isn't i mean it's where you know you'd switch on the tv and i don't but you know you might switch on the tv and watch x factor and there was a marshall amp in the back of it 
you see something from Wembley Stadium and some martial arts, isn't it? Probably not, probably not switched on. Well, no, <laughs> but it's that one that you go to, isn't it? If you mm. ask somebody who knows nothing about music mm. to name an amp, they could name a Marshall, couldn't they? I think that Milton Keynes has, is making a name for itself. Much as Silverstone and Northampton are known as the Formula One and in the car um, circuits, that's almost like heaven. Milton Keynes is kind of like that for music, I think, because we've got some other big names like Yamaha and Korg who have yeah. been attracted to Milton Keynes because Marshall, you know, were there. I know what you mean. I, think, I mean, to me, that was the reason I put the book together was because I'd spent nearly 30 years writing about local bands and bands that come through the town, whether they were playing at the pits, at the Madcap, at the Counterpoint back in the day or, you know, or at the Bowl. And I, I just thought, this needs to be preserved because as things fall away and you know press gets less and people don't keep hold of stuff and I have unfortunately I mean I'm a bit of a hoarder for when it comes to things like flyers and gig tickets and stuff and it was just it was all there I've still got a ticket from seeing Iron Maiden at the pits when they were as big those sort of things I just thought we need to kind of keep this. It's not just about the time that Robbie Williams came to town, but of course that's important as well because how many people can sell out five nights at the bowl? And all this thing, and I just thought that it all needed to come together. And there's a little bit of gossipy stuff in there as well because obviously there's been things that have happened over the time that are quite funny and stuff like that. So, it, yeah, it's all there. And if it's... Oh, good stuff. Hopefully, you know, it'll just keep building now, won't it? Because we're still, you know, we're still not officially a city, remember? And we're a new yeah. town. And, and look at what we've done without any of that. Um, top-class venues, top-class brands, former top-class recording studios. Those things don't, they don't happen everywhere. And I don't think they can happen everywhere, actually. Mm. And it's important that Milton Keynes keeps its history. That's something I worry about. I think that the town is really good at getting rid of its history before it gets old enough. Oh, 
So your book that's coming out soon, will people be able to buy it on the usual places like Amazon and um, the bookshops in central Milton Keynes, which... Yeah, I mean, probably not, actually. I think um, initially I'm going to just put it out. I've got a Facebook page as well, and um, I'm going to put it out through that. Yeah, I'm hoping we'll, we'll be stocking it at the Crawford Arms in Wolverton, right. and we'll be stocking it at Milton Keynes Museum. Obviously, these places at the moment aren't up and running as they should be. There are things going on now, and if there will be outlets you can go and get it from locally, definitely. And I'll make sure it's, it's well serviced everywhere. Because I mean, yeah. Christmas is coming, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Everybody needs a copy of it for Christmas, but it's it's Milton Keynes Wired for Sound is what it's called. And um, and yes, that's a, a nod to a uh, video that was filmed here. But of course, it's not the big nod. The big nod again, Wired for Sound. It's 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 Marshall, and it's it's everything again. It's not one particular thing. So you're not saying that his greatness Cliff filmed a video here, are you? Yeah, many years ago. <laughs> wow. But you knew that. But um, but I yeah. So actually, I, 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 well, I'd probably forgotten. Um, yeah. We'll, but yeah, we I can play that song if you want. Are you all right? Okay. <laughs> It's a great song though, isn't it? A great pop song. But yeah, so there's um there's lot you know lots of little bits like that in, in the book as well, really. So and, and also um like it's when you start digging in. I mean, who remembers Amy Winehouse at, at the stables and and Craig David at the stables? You know, they were part of a radio two session thing that used to happen there every year. But I think for me, I, I saw I remember seeing bands and like Love, Arthur Lee and Love mm-hmm. at the stables and John Martin and they were just legends and ginger baker as well i mean not the easiest interview you asked me about interviews ginger baker is not an easy man to interview um but i did make him laugh he's not now it probably would be easier now to be fair but i did uh he was a very difficult man and um I felt like we broke through that and we actually, we did get on okay, which was great because, yeah, there's some of them you do have to work harder for. And, and anyone, I mean, if you've seen the Ginger Baker documentary, you know exactly what, exactly what he was about. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> but, he, he did have a reputation as a particularly uh, awkward man. Yeah, and Arthur Lee from Love, I mean, completely away with the fairies when I spoke mm. to him. But um, again, a, a really great one to do and that. I, I, I never interviewed Dr. John, but I did meet Dr. John as well. And uh, right. these are special people, aren't they? And they're mm-hmm. gone now. And I think that's it's so important. That's the thing, you know, just I will go and work and just watch as many people as possible. But some artists just, they just stand out. And, mm-hmm. and they, they are, for me, great gigs in, a, in, you know, in the staples with brilliant. But then how many bands, and I know because I've seen you there often enough as well, how many great bands have we seen at the Crawford Arms oh. over the years? Without a doubt, you, every year you see some fantastic bands. Yeah, brilliant. And it, sometimes it's the, you know, you go along with an expectation when you buy a ticket for a specific band, but it, it's the support band or that blows you away because you don't know who they are. You know, and that's the excitement, I think, as well, well isn't for it? Last, for the last couple of years, I mean, when I, when I was younger, I, I didn't used to go and watch the support bands as much as I as I do now but these days i always make sure i watch the first band and they're on at seven o'clock and then i watch the second band are on at 7 15 you yeah. sure i watch that every band and catch every bit of music because you never know who's coming through and who's on on the way up or on the way back down because often the support bands are uh, big bands from 15 years ago who just can't do it these or say just can't do it 
just never got anywhere. The last band I actually saw at the Crawford was uh, the week before lockdown, I think, and that was uh, Stray. Um, oh, not okay. a totally new band. Yeah. But to be honest, they played like they were. Do you yeah. know what I mean? After half a century of music making, they were. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. And again, another another real talent and, and somebody that we're lucky to have in Milton Keynes is Dale Bromman, really. I, I just... I just love every time you come away feeling good. And that's what you should do after a gig, isn't it? Well, anybody who's listening to this, go back through the old stuff, because there is a show where I do have an interview with Del Bromham. Because he's, yeah. uh, he's, Del's just such a lovely bloke. And he can, he can tell you stories for England, you know, the guy. And they're great. I mean, because he's, he's been there and he's done it, you know. And, uh, and again, I think that, that shows, doesn't it? And I, yeah, I, I love that gig. I thought it was fantastic. So. Well, Sammy, we'll wrap up our chat now. Really, really good luck with the book. I'm, I'm so pleased it's coming out because books like Lee Scriven's book, um, all about Milton Keynes, that shows the history of Milton Keynes. You're showing the history of Milton Keynes from band side of things. I'd love to see books by somebody like Paul Rivers, somebody like Chris Kemp, maybe, you know, showing yeah. it from different sides and, and their views on it. I've always lived in Milton Keynes and I've, I've seen it, well, I lived in Milton Keynes before Milton Keynes lived here. Um, so I've, I've seen it grow, even though I'm only 26, I must add. But um, this sort of stuff is, is absolutely important and it's part of the history and good luck with it. So all the best with that. All the best with that. At my house I've got no shackles You can come and look if you want to Through the halls you'll see the mantles Where the light shines dim all around you And the streets are paved with gold And if someone asks you, you can call my name You're just a thought that someone somewhere somehow feels you should be here And it's so for real to touch, to smell, to feel, to know where you are here And the streets are paved with gold and if someone asks you, you can call my name You can call my name I hear you calling my name But I'm through singing The bells from the schools of walls will be ringing More confusions, blood transfusions The news today will be the movies for tomorrow And the waters turn to blood And if you don't think so, go turn on your tub And if it's mixed with mud You see it turn to grey Then you can call my name I hear you calling my name
Thanks for listening in. Hope you found it entertaining. Thanks to Sammy, mainly for being Sammy, an all-round nice person. Please try to give my other show a listen, New Releases with Rob Taylor, either on Facebook or Apple Podcasts or hopefully on Spotify. I'll leave you now with a song by 6am, Artist for Recovery and Maybe It's Time, featuring Slash, Corey Taylor and a wide range of stars. It's to raise money for the battle against opioid addiction, which really is sweeping America, so good luck to them, even if the song is a bit cheesy. Speak to you next week, if not before. Love you. Bye. Well, all the scars and all the lines On my face they show the times I've abandoned my own life Why? I can't breathe I can't eat, so I just drink myself to sleep and embrace this morbid price. Maybe it's time to heal. Maybe it's time to try. Maybe it's time to deal with all the pieces in my life. Well, maybe I'll sober up. Maybe before I die. Maybe I'll find. Say